I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. And today we're going to look at verses 16 through 25. We only have two Sundays left in this series, this Sunday and the following Sunday. And then we will begin uh, in the season of Advent. Advent. Gosh, where did fall go? <laughs> it's already Advent. It's already Christmas time. But let us celebrate Thanksgiving first. Uh, let us gather on the next Lord's Day and share a meal together after a time of worship. And I pray that you'll bring a friend. And I pray that you'll bring some money with you. And you'll drop it in that little offering plate that we have when we have a meal like that um, to help to offset the cost. But um, in the five purposes of the church that we have been looking at for the last many Sundays, we now come to the, the one that is mentioned, number five, evangelism slash missions. And I've saved that missions part to last because we're going to transition into Advent talking about missions because that's when Southern Baptists really kick it in gear. Uh, that's when we ask you to be sacrificial like you've never been before, that the gospel would go out to the nations that have never heard about the gospel that have never heard about Jesus. People that are praying for someone to bring them the good news of Christ. And uh, Southern Baptists are going now into places where they've never ever heard about Jesus Christ. So as we sort of taper off with the five purposes of the church, uh, this one being evangelism slash missions, they both go together. It's not two separate things. It's not evangelism or is it missions? Evangelism is missions, and missions is evangelism. There are two kind of ways of looking at it, but in either way, we are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, somebody has said that missions exist where worship does not. Because worship does not exist in a place, that's where missions exist. That's where we go, where people have never heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I have listened to your stories, not just the ones that have been presented here from the pulpit, but I've listened to your stories about going out into Meade County and sharing that little bag that has the gospel in it. I've heard you talk about being timid. I've heard you talk about knees shaking, and deservedly so. Every time I get up to preach, my knees shake. My mouth gets dry. I'm just nervous as I can be. And when I went to these homes with Linda and also with Andy, uh, we were on a team together, um, my mouth got dry, my knees shook. I don't know if he knew it or not. I tried to let on like, like I was an old pro at this, you know. But uh, I was kind of nervous. And it was amazing to me how that when people are faithful to the Lord, my own life begins to get into order, begins to come back into order. So today I want to talk about evangelism. And I want to talk about why we should be evangelistic, not why the preacher should be evangelistic. Uh, some churches are looking for an evangelistic emphasis kind of pastor. I hope you've found a pastor that wants you to be evangelistic because it is our responsibility to share this good news of Jesus Christ. And so today I want to sharpen the saw a little bit. 
I want to sharpen the saw just a little bit. Like putting a pencil in a pencil sharpener. I want, to, I want to sharpen the saw just a little bit and talk about evangelism and why we need to be evangelistic. In uh, the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Rome, beginning in verse 16, he writes these words, and I'm going to read it from the New American Standard. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. That meaning that Paul found his mission to be taking the gospel to those that the Jews who had heard the gospel, walked with the gospel, Jesus himself, did not want to take the gospel to other nations because in their religion they had been taught the uncleanliness of the rest of the world and how holy and righteous the nation Israel was to be. And to fellowship with people who were unclean was to break the laws and so they just simply separated themselves from the, from the Gentile world. Paul said, when God saved me, when Jesus came into my life, I had a mission to take the gospel to everybody because, hear this and hear it clearly, the gospel is not for the pre-selected. That's coming into Baptist life again. Um, and it's more like hearing these uh, people in the Bible days talk about God has pre-selected the Jews only to hear the gospel. That's what they thought. Well, Paul said the gospel is for everybody, not just whom God has pre-selected to be saved, and others were born to go to hell, and some were born to go to heaven. Folks, that's just not Bible. The Bible teaches us that the gospel is for everybody, the Jew and the Greek. Verse 17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Paul was um, very... Uh, direct about how to follow Christ and that is to follow Christ by faith and to be saved and go to heaven means you believe and you follow faithfully the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 18 he says for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature, having been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. You'll find many people who say they believe there is a God. Nowadays, it's kind of cool to say you're atheist, and they don't believe God. And uh, I've come to find out that these are the people who first went to church for a while and are mad at God, and now declaring that they're atheists. Well, folks, you can't be mad at somebody that doesn't exist. Did you ever think about that? So really, there's no such thing as an atheist. By its very definition, uh, he, he, it, it cancels itself. Because you cannot disbelieve something that is, and you can't be angry at something that is not. Verse 21 says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. There is a lot of spiritualism in the modern world. People are no longer saying, I have, I, I have cho chosen a religious faith. Uh, 
but I am spiritual. I don't go to church, but I am spiritual. That number of people being surveyed is one of the highest growth categories of our time. So people have come to believe in themselves and the God that they have made for themselves with their own imaginations, and that God that they've created for themselves with their own imaginations that is apart from Scripture, that has no foundation in the Word of God whatsoever, they have become a God to themselves. And folks, that's the growing trend for today. For even though they knew, for even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and the foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became foolish and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for the image of the form of a corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Now what he's talking about there is that in the days of the Apostle Paul, in the days of the Greeks, immoral sexuality was rampant. And homosexuality was rampant as well. It occurred to me yesterday, Linda and I were sitting, waiting to get into a restaurant, and there was a tree there, a fir tree, that had been planted there, and it was just beautiful. Next to it was a rose bush, one of those summer roses things. And I told Linda, I said, would it be something if that fir tree said, I identify as a rose bush now? And I'm not going to be a fir tree anymore. I'm going to be a rose bush. That's where we have come in our sophistication of creating God in our own image in this world. Verse 24. I'm leaving all this to help you think through three reasons why we need to be evangelistic. Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that the bodies would be dishonored among them. The greatest judgment of God that we will experience before the great white throne judgment is that God will leave you alone to your foolish choices and that you would be allowed to be whatever you want to be, identify who, who you want to identify as, and defy God and God's word all you want to. And for you to say to God, leave me alone, I'm going to be and do who I want to be and do, will bring onto you the very judgment of God. And the way he does that is, he lets you alone to your foolishness. God has built this world in such a way that that kind of foolish thinking has foolish consequences, has severe consequences. So the judgment of God is built into the natural order. Verse 25 says, For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And for this reason God gave them over to their degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural in the same way men as well. Let me stop there and just talk about three reasons why we need to be evangelistic. First of all, number one, we need to be evangelistic because of the circumstances of our time. We find ourselves here in 2021 
watching the television and seeing natural disasters and asking ourselves, is the judgment of God coming? Is COVID God's judgment on our time? We asked that when 9-11 happened. We asked that when the hurricanes came through, Sandy and Katrina and Maria and Irma and Harvey. We asked that when the wildfires were are raging in uh, the western states and tornadoes come and then the swine flu came and now COVID-19. Should we be asking ourselves, are we under divine judgment? I don't know what God is doing, but I know one thing. When you take God's created order and you use God's created order for your selfish purposes, you will find yourself at odds with the very world that God has created. There is a built-in judgment for our time. We have in our time identity disasters as well. We have become an unmoored nation. We have no anchor. We don't know who we are. We don't know how we got here. And we don't even know where we're going as a people. We are much like the days of the Genesis where the Bible says everyone did what was right in his own eye. And after that, God brought, brought the flood. I, for one, have been shocked to see that the Pentagon was given a tour there shortly after 9-11, and they had rebuilt that section of, of the Pentagon. And what I didn't know about the crash of 9-11 was that plane came in right over the chapel area. There's a neutral chapel there. And when we showed up for the tour of the Pentagon, we chaplains wanted to go see the, the, um, the, area, the, the chapel area there. And the first thing you saw was not the cross of Jesus Christ. You didn't see the cross of Jesus Christ anywhere. But you saw a lot of symbols of Islam. And that's bothered me ever since. And I'm here to tell you we have become unmoored as a nation. We are creating God in our own image in America. We have come, become so materialistic, we have forgotten the one who sends the rain and the one who sends the sunshine and the one who provides for the needs that we have. We also have a disaster in relationships. Our homes are a disaster. Our marriages are so, not every marriage, but so many are a disaster. Uh, we learned again this week, people we've known for years whose marriage has ended. And I just grieve and cry because I performed that wedding. And uh, we just grieve and cry. And I ask the Lord, what, what's, what's gone wrong? What's gone wrong? Well, I'll tell you one thing that's gone wrong. We're ashamed of the gospel. And by that I mean we're afraid to even talk about Jesus to people. We're, we're afraid to even talk about eternal life and what will happen to a person after they die. We're so caught up in our jobs. We're trying to educate our kids. We're trying to make politics make sense. We talk about everything around the water cooler except Jesus Christ. We have become ashamed as a church of the gospel. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed.
we need to share the good news of the gospel of Christ because of the circumstances of our time. We find that the day we live in today was no different than the immoral times and the selfish times of the Bible days. Folks, times have really not changed. It was the same then, it's the same today, it'll be that way until Jesus comes back. Number two, and I've alluded to this, and Paul has talked about it very clearly here in this passage of Scripture, why he is evangelistic and why we need to be evangelistic. Because of the certainty of God's judgment. The certainty of God's judgment. The day of judgment is spoken many, many times in the Bible. Here in the passage we just read, Paul talked about God's built-in judgment in this natural world when you do not acknowledge Him as God, you make yourself God, or you create a God for yourself. God has built the world in a natural order so that his, you will feel His judgment, His pain and suffering if you do not acknowledge Him as God. But at the end of time, and time is coming to an end, the Scripture says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after death, the judgment. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after death, after that, the judgment of God. I want to talk about that just, just a little bit. There is a day coming when we will stand before God and give an account of our life. The Bible speaks about this in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, Isaiah says. When is the day of the Lord? It's coming as destruction from Al Shaddai, God Almighty. This is the day that God will judge the world in its, in its sinfulness, and God will bring judgment finally upon sin. In Matthew 25, Jesus said, The day of the Lord is something like this. The Son of Man, when He comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered together before Him. Now, He's not talking about nations like America and South America and, you know, Peru or other countries. He's talking about nations, peoples, peoples. The word nations in the Bible is where we get the word ethnic or ethnicity. All peoples, all ethnic peoples would be gathered together before Him. All people. That includes you. That includes you. That includes your neighbor. That includes your children, your grandchildren. Your, your neighbors around you, everybody will be gathered together before the Son of Man, that is Jesus. And He'll separate them from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The day of judgment will be God's decision of who will live forever in His holy heaven and who will miss heaven and end up in a place called death and hell. In the book of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul speaks of it this way. Paul said, Paul said, for Christians, we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. There is accountability day coming for all of us. Now, some of you may be here thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm coming to church and I'm doing this and doing that. Uh, or I was raised here in this church or I'm still a young person. I've got plenty of time. Folks, you don't know how much time you've got left in this life. Linda and I left it Wednesday night a week ago. We were headed back to Louisville, and uh, 
everybody says, watch out for the deer. And we're watching for the deer driving 45 miles an hour and a line of cars behind me wanting to drive 55 miles an hour on 1238. And uh, we saw that deer. And he jumped out there. I think I would have had time to, to miss him. Well, that got our attention. And then we got on the, the Dixie Highway going back down Muldrow Hill. And at the bottom of Muldrow Hill, right before you get to that church down there, um, there was a guy who had pulled into our lane. This is a four-lane road. Pulled into our lane, pulled right in front of us, and just boom, there he was. And as he was coming, I swerved to the left. Usually you'd swerve to the right, right? But I swerved to the left. And thank God I did because he swerved to the left on his side. He kept going behind us. And um, we learned later that uh, the highway was, there was a, he wrecked, and there was a traffic jam there for about an hour. In just that second, just, just that quick, uh, we could have lost our lives. We would be in God's holy heaven. We had a missionary here uh, about a year ago whose son, last spring, whose son was a student at Camelsville. And as he came around the corner, uh, someone who was driving the other direction came over in his lane, and he was killed instantly. Every day you read in the newspaper of someone being shot. Every day you read in the newspaper of someone being killed on the highway. Uh, just the day before yesterday in Louisville, someone was killed. Uh, folks, it happens every day. It happens all the time, and you are no exception. You are no exception. You do not have time to waste. You do not have time to kill, so to speak, uh, to wait until you give your life to Christ. You don't know how much time that you have left. And I plead with you, as the Apostle Paul would plead with you, because of the uncertainty of the day of the coming of the Lord, or because of the uncertainty of the day that you will die and breathe your last breath here, you need to be ready. You need to be prepared. There's going to be a great white throne judgment the Bible speaks of in the book of Revelation. And those whose names were not found written in the Lamb's book of life were dismissed in the place called death and hell. Now Jesus taught about death and hell. And he told the parable of the rich man that fared sumptuously and thought he had a lot of time to waste, a lot of time to wait. And as he occurred uh, more material things, uh, his life was called for. Uh, there was um, a man, Jesus said, who fared sumptuously, and a man who was poor outside his house. And he said the man who fared sumptuously and was rich and who wouldn't give to the poor woke up one day, just woke up one day in a place called death and hell. And he said to, he called out to the Lord. He said, Lord, please go and tell my brothers, you don't want to come here. Folks, there's nobody in hell today that wants you to come there. There's nobody in hell today that wants you to come there. There's not a guy running around with a, a pitchfork um, and uh, funny things like you see in cartoons about hell. Hell is a place of torment. And the Lord told him, he said, uh, you are unable to leave that place that you're in. He said, I am thirsting. Would you just bring me some water? He said, I can't do that. And he said, besides, there's a chasm fixed between heaven and hell, and you'll never escape. So truth number one is, everybody that's in hell today doesn't want you to come. Truth number two is, if you end up there, you will be in torment for eternity, 
And number three, if you end up there, you will never be released. You will never be released. That's why the gospel needs to be shared. That's why the gospel is good news. The good news is God doesn't want you to end up in this place called death and hell. God wants you to live with Him in His holy heaven for all of eternity. And that's why He sent Jesus into this world. You say, well, I'm not sure I believe all that, preacher. I'm not sure if that's really the truth, or I'm not sure that that truth you talk about from the Scriptures is trustworthy. Hear me clearly. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Eternity is too long to, to be wrong. And to be wrong and end up in hell because you refused Christ as your Savior and your Lord will be regretted for all of eternity. So why should we be evangelistic? Because folks, watch out for the deer. <laughs> watch out for the deer. Life is short. You don't know how many uh, days that you're going to live. Life is short. Judgment is coming. And there's going to be a trumpet blow one day. If you live long enough till Jesus comes back, there's going to be a trumpet blow. And when that trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ from these cemeteries, their bodies will be raised from the dead. You and I will be changed. Those who are Christians and believers in Christ will be changed and we will have a resurrection body like Jesus had when he was raised from the dead. After that, there will be a, the judgment, the great white throne judgment, and those whose names is not found in the Lamb's book of life will be cast out into outer darkness. Eternity is too long to be wrong. But for those who believe in Jesus, for those who have allowed Him to be your Lord and your Savior, you will abide in God's love for eternity because you will be with very God who is love. God is love. God is love and heaven is love. Heaven is pure, pure love, and it will be for all of eternity. And when you get to heaven, it will not be weird. It will not be strange. It will not be uh, like some of the images you've seen in your life. In fact, the Bible says it has never been written down what yet awaits what God has prepared for those who love him, for those who are waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. The Lord said to uh, John on the Isle of Patmos, I am making all things new. Heaven is going to be that home that you've always wanted. It's the home that some of you left you wish you could go back to. Um, it's the home that some of you never had you wish you could have, and you're trying to make it here on earth. But when you get to heaven, you're going to feel at home because you're going to be at home, and the reason you're going to feel at home is because the perfect love of God is going to complete you as never before in this life. Why do we need to be evangelistic? Number one, because of the circumstances of our time. Number two, simply because of the certainty of the judgment of God. Number three, the third reason we need to be evangelistic is because of the call of God to make disciples. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. When Jesus talked about making disciples, he echoed what he had done while he was here. 
Before Jesus died on the cross, he had an all-night prayer meeting with the Father. Some of us call the Lord's Prayer what, we, what we're learning to pray. Jesus taught the disciples to pray, saying, but that's really the disciples' prayer. That's the prayer that Jesus gave to the disciples to guide them into being uh, prayer warriors. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 for you and for me. And when he prayed in John 17 for you and for me there in Gethsemane, he said these words, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. I glorify thee on the earth, having accomplished the work which thou didst give me to do. What work did Jesus accomplish before he died on the cross? He was talking about the 12 disciples that he had nurtured for those three years and taught and had trained. Folks, he's, we are those same 12 disciples. And his work in us is not finished until we become people who make disciples as well. Until we become the kind of church that we reach people with the gospel to become a disciple and we disciple them to make others disciples as well. You can call that multiplication. You can call that discipleship. You can call that evangelism. You can call that missions. I don't care what name you give it. It is the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. He did what the Father called him to do, and now he turns it over to us through his power in us to do the same thing that he did. So I would ask you, who has God put on your heart? Who has God put on your heart? Who in your family needs Jesus? Who in your family needs the Lord? Two or three things you can do there. One, pray. If you don't do anything else, pray. If you're too scared to witness for him, pray for him. If you pray for him long enough, God will make it possible that you will have a witnessing opportunity with them. Number two, invest and invite. Invest in their life in some way and invite them to a worship service. Invite them to a Sunday school class. Invite them to the Man Up uh, meeting that's going to be at the school. Uh, invite them to uh, next Sunday's uh, turkey dinner. Say, come on to church. We're going to have a Thanksgiving turkey dinner. We want you to be here. We got a turkey leg uh, for just, just for you. Now you come on. And uh, because you realize that 80% of the people that are here today, you're here not because of a program in our church, not because of the preacher in our church, uh, but because of a friend or a family member that invited you. A friend or a family member invited you. And now you have heard the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, it's simply this. God loves you. It's his desire for you to live with him in his holy heaven forever and forever. God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. Secondly, understand that you've sinned and that you are a sinner and that you're living in the state of sin. And the wages of sin, the Bible says, we've all sinned. And the wages, Paul says in Romans 6, 23, is death. But understand, too, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't just say, hey, I love you, good luck down there. He said, I love you, and I'm going to show you how much. 
And because uh, of his great love for us, when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died on that cross. Jesus was buried in that tomb. Jesus was raised from the dead. Satan thought that he had won. The enemy thought that he had overcome the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ and the righteousness of God. But the truth is, Jesus, by the power of God, overcame death. Now, if you will simply believe and confess, confess that you're a sinner, confess that you want Jesus in your life, confess that He is now your Lord and your Savior, you're willing to turn your life over to Him, you can be saved. And that first step starts today. It starts right now. There may be somebody here this morning. I know there's some lost people here today. In every church service that gathers, there's some lost people there. And there's some lost people here today. And this is your opportunity right now to step out of the aisle while we sing this song in a moment and to give your life to Christ, to confess Him as your Lord and your Savior and that you desire to follow through as a believer in baptism. Maybe you're someone here today that you said, you know, I, I, I know I need to be evangelistic and I just feel so guilty because I haven't been. Well, let that guilt go. Don't hang on to that guilt. That guilt is keeping you from, from being obedient to God. Let's get some freedom from that guilt. And let's say, Lord, you take over my life, and Lord, you create an opportunity for me and my family, me and my loved ones, that I can share Jesus with somebody. All right? Maybe you're here today from an, your membership is another church, and God's called you here. You're invited to unite with us and be a part of a church that's trying to reach the lost with the gospel and disciple those who are saved. That's just who we are. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be right with you, to make a change in our life that would align us to your purposes for each of us. Lord, we do live, and we'll leave here in a moment to go out into a world that does not know you, nor values worship, nor values your word. Help us, Lord, to not try to be like this world, but to be in the world and transforming the world through the gospel. Give us an opportunity this week to share Jesus with someone. Now as we sing this song, Lord, may someone come to say, I give my heart to Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.